SAFM. Primetime, all day long. So let's get straight into the matter then regarding the Western Cape Judge President John Clopes' conduct. It's after the uh, Judicial Service Commission Conduct Tribunal found him guilty of gross misconduct for trying to influence two constitutional court judges to rule in favor of Zuma. Let's take you to legals, to senior legal journalist Karen Moon, who joins us on the line. Karen, good morning to you. Thanks for having me. It's been 13 years in the making this particular decision. Speak to us about what exactly it is that John Klopp has been found guilty of. So what formed part of this case? Because we know that there are a number of complaints that have been brought before him to the, brought about him rather, to the tribunal. Okay, well, the, this is the second um, misconduct complaint that's been pursued against um, Judge President John Clope. The first, of course, was in relation to certain consultancy payments he received from the OSIS company in which he was cu- accused of not declaring, ultimately um, cleared of that. In, the, in this particular matter, um, in 2008, at the time that the Constitutional Court had reserved judgment on former President Jacob Zuma, who was then ANC President Jacob Zuma's, um, appeal attempt to appeal the Supreme Court of Appeals uh, split decision with regards to the legality of search warrants used by the Scorpions to seize 93,000 uh, pages of documentation, which now being used against him in his arms deal-related uh, corruption case. He essentially, Zuma was trying at that point to challenge the legality on the warrants on a number of issues, including this issue of legal privilege, because some of the documents that had been seized, two boxes of them, were financial documents that were seized from his lawyer, Michael Halley's office. He contended that they were legally privileged and therefore the search warrants couldn't stand and they should be thrown out, which would have resulted in, of course, in that evidence not being able to be used. In the months, in the time period before the Constitutional Court gave its ruling on that matter, John Slaughter approached two of the justices, one of which was his friend, Chris Jaster, another, Bess and Kabinde, was writing the note about the issue of privilege and essentially suggested to them that he believed the Supreme Court of Appeal had got it wrong in the ruling. Mm. Um, he told Judge Bess and Kabinde that there was no case against Jacob Zuma. He told her that he had a list of people from intelligence, he's, uh, a list of names of people who had benefited from the arms deal, who would leave, lose their jobs. He made a number of comments which ultimately led them to believe that he was trying to sway them um, or that he was he was making certain uh, comments that could be interpreted as him attempting to sway their decision. Ultimately, um, the tribunal find, finding very um, strongly that he did attempt to, to influence uh, to, to influence their ruling and to essentially require them to violate their oath of office as judges under the Constitution, and that he had endangered the independence and the integrity of the Constitutional Court and brought mm. the judiciary into disrepute by doing so. Interesting. Today we're seeing headlines, Karen, that say that, you know, Klopp's future is now in the hands of the ANC. Break it down for us. What does that mean exactly? Well, essentially, um, Kathy, the JSC now is now considering this tribunal report. It needs to decide whether it does believe there's a basis for impeachment and that's been established. If they decide that we do believe that John Klopp's should face impeachment, it then goes they, the JSC then potentially make a recommendation to President Cyril Ramaphosa that John Sorpe must be suspended. And then a vote goes to the National Assembly where two-thirds 
of the MPs need to vote in favour of uh, John Thorpe's um, impeachment. So that is not an incorrect statement. It will really be down to the ANC to make a decision about whether they believe um, in the circumstances of this case, which are highly politicised mm-hmm. um, because of the nature of, of what's been found, he has been found to have done. Um, it is going to, it is ultimately going to be a deeply, um, deeply political uh, decision uh, by the ANC, um, but which ultimately has repercussions to the functioning of the judiciary and, and indeed the principle of rule of law in this country. Karen, when you look at some of the politics that has been associated with the judiciary, whether rightfully or wrongfully mm-hmm. so, some of the comments around the judiciary, do you think that we're entering into an era where something like the interviews for candidates to the Constitutional Court, to the Supreme Court, that will be taking place over the next two weeks, that those are bound to get a lot more attention than they have before? and that judges' personal politics will be paid attention to in a way that perhaps has been different in the past? I think you've hit the nail on the head. Even today, this afternoon, uh, the Deputy uh, Judge President of Pretoria High Court, Aubrey Ledwaba, is going to be um, interviewed by, amongst other people, Julius Malema, who is a member of the JSC, um, about his uh, application nomination to be a Justice of the Constitutional Court. And we all know, Kathy, mm-hmm. what um, the kind of questions will be that he will face because he has been specifically targeted by the EFF and by the former president, Jacob Zuma, for his decision to seal the CR17 uh, bank statements and records um, after a request from the, uh, from the president's lawyers. And there have been a number of allegations that he did so to protect so-called uh, corrupt judges that were on listed in those documents, which we, which we know they are not. So, um, you know, there is this environment of suspicion and innuendo and speculation around the judges. It's going to come to a head at 22.05 this afternoon. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be fascinating to see mm-hmm. how that interaction plays out, how those questions are put, and how, um, you know, the judge, the Dwaba, responds to it. Because um, this intersection of politics and judicial duty has become in- incredibly intense in, mm. in the last years and specifically the last few months. And it has huge implications for people's respect and understanding of the courts and the way in which our democracy actually functions. Mm. Judges in many respects, you know, have always created a, a, a clear line or at least from a public pers- perception between themselves and some of the things that are taking place in our society. More mm. and more, we're seeing that begin to change. And it's, you know, part of why the, there's this huge conversation around uh, Chief Justice Mokweng Mokweng. Do you think that when it comes to judicial officers and their ability to weigh in on issues that are taking place, whether nationally or internationally, do you think that that's going to change over the years, that we are going to see these boundaries being pushed more and more, especially where individuals feel that keeping silent is in some way or another, um, you know, limiting their own rights to be able to fully exercise, whether it's freedom of speech or just exercise the rights that are enshrined to them as individuals in in our constitution? I mean, the thing is, Kathy, like, ultimately, we are in a society, we're in a democracy where, and this is an unfortunate reality, the judiciary has, in many respects, been asked um, to, to 
almost sometimes, and, and they get criticized for this, but enter into the realms of government and correct government's irrational decisions, erratic decisions, clearly unlawful decisions, whether it was the formal, uh, former president's refusal to abide by the public protector's recommendations or mm. remedial action on Kandla, whether it was the Mbeki administration's almost genocidal instincts around HIV-AIDS, the refusal to give ARVs to pregnant women. And there have been a number of cases where the rights of ordinary South Africans have been trampled on by you know, government irrationality. And they need always to be an arm of the state that can enter in and can intervene and to, to do what's ultimately in the interest of society. But what we, what we have experienced in the last few years is that the courts have been called again and again and again and again to do that. And it's actually, you know, it speaks to a government that is not fully able to manage the state and its resources in an appropriate, legal and responsible manner. That is not on the courts. But as a consequence of those interventions, the courts are now being accused of, what is it, judicial dictatorship and other things because of the role that they've been forced to assume in this young democracy, which in many respects is, is, is showing deep signs of faltering and weakening. And that has major implications mm. for rule of law. So in that context, judges need to be extremely careful about what they say and how they say it. Because ultimately, when you step into a court of law, you need to believe, you need to honestly believe, this person is coming into this, listening to the facts with a clean slate. They're applying the law. I can trust them. I can believe in them. And if there's a sense in which that that person has nailed their colors to the mast on an ideologically or politically or economically contentious issue that may come before the courts, that becomes problematic. Mm-hmm. No one is asking people to discard their personal beliefs and their personal standpoints. But when they are in a position of a judicial officer and they need to make those key decisions, they need to be very, very circumspect about how, if, and how, and, and why they vocalize those beliefs. Karen Moon, she's a senior legal journalist. Karen, thank you so much for your time on the talking point today. So, you know, there we have it. We are going to be entering a phase of all of these different interviews of judges who are wanting to be considered for senior positions in uh, some of the courts. That's the Supreme Court of Appeal, the Constitutional Court. And something tells me that we're going to see a different kind of attention being paid to these interviews. I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing um, because the more we see of how judges are actually appointed, the more we get to understand them as they take up in their roles as they take up their roles perhaps the better we can also hold the judiciary accountable too it's just after 9:30 utile sakwe standing by with the latest news headlines